Hello and welcome to worship again today. I'm very glad you're with us. We're in for a treat, a real special treat today. A number of years ago, we asked a young lady to join us on staff. Her name is Heather Vance. Heather came to us uh, with a, a lot of years of ministry experience, the great education, and she took over the responsibility in our church for our junior high ministry. Last summer, we expanded her role and asked her to take on the whole family ministries department. And so Heather is the director of that department. But today she's coming with a different responsibility, a different mantle, and that is to take all her years of experience, her years of education, and to open God's word for us today. So in that light, would you please welcome Heather Vance to the platform today to bring God's word for us. Thank you, and good morning to all of you here, to those in the East Auditorium, and to those in Lovington, and of course to those worshiping with us online, and we are glad to have you in worship with us today. So my regular sermon setting is student life on Sunday afternoons, and uh, obviously I've not yet had the privilege of doing it in this format as well, or uh, so far. And so um, Pastor Wayne came to me last fall and he said, hey, there's something that you get to do in your new role as family ministries director. He said, you get to preach one, one time next year. And I thought, take a deep breath. Don't let him see the fear in your eyes. And he said, don't worry, we'll hold your hand through all of it. And I thought, yes, please do so. And uh, he and a few others have definitely done that. And so as family ministries director, my normal crowd is normally 18 or under. But in particular, in leading middle school services on a Sunday afternoon, my really regular crowd is really about 35 middle school students. And so as I look around the room, um, there's a little bit more than 35 of you. And uh, no offense, but most of you are not the age of a middle school student. And so to help me feel, I would say, more comfortable and more at ease and maybe a little bit less nervous about being up here, I have um, what we can call fatheads of some of our middle school students. And so I have some people who are gonna help me pass some of those out here. And so if you would be so kind to hold these for me as I speak this morning, um, this would make me feel just more comfortable. Even in the East Auditorium, uh, I recognize that just knowing they're looking at the screen will make me feel more comfortable. And so if you can hold them up there for me, that would be great. And um, perfect. Yeah, see, just seeing Ben's face, you know, and, uh, and Cole's face, like that makes me feel really comfortable. So hey, Kathy, I have a couple more that you can have those as well. So um, yeah, so I think, yeah, nice, yeah, seeing Morgan out there, yeah, I just feel better already. And uh, so we got somebody fanning themselves with it, you know, it looks like Isaac's waving at me, so that's perfect. And uh, <laughs> so now that, and please know, you don't really have to hold those up the whole time, so. Um, but um, if you are a parent and you see your kid's face on a stick, please take it home with you today, okay? Because we're done after this morning, so <laughs> take it with you. Let it be a little memento there, so. All right, now that I feel better and more at ease, um, let's get started. The fruit of the Spirit, there are nine of them, <clears throat> and Pastor Wayne talked to us last week about the first three, love, joy, and peace. Today we're gonna take a deeper look at the second group of three, forbearance or patience, kindness, and goodness. If you would please open your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. We're gonna look at verses 16 and 17 together here in a few moments. And there are Bibles in the pew racks in front of you in the East Auditorium. There's somebody coming around with them if you need one. Um, you can also follow along on your phone. I think most of us in the room have played tug of war at some point in our life. 
Um, you can think back to your PE class or maybe on the playground with your friends. And for some of us, we're really competitive, and so the game of tug of war can be intense. It's an intense game. You know, we have each team fighting and pulling to overpower the other team. One team, minute this team is winning and, and then, you know, doing great, and then bam, the other team takes over. And you can see that um, it's a back and forth struggle with sometimes yucky consequences, such as a team landing in water or even mud. The battle is real, it's intense. But we also are fighting a real life battle, if you wanna say a so-called tug of war. If you'll read with me in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, it says, so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. We are in a tug of war between our flesh and what the Holy Spirit would have us to do. These verses clearly show us that there's a battle going on. And as we learn more about Jesus, we wanna be more like him. And the Holy Spirit helps us remember what it looks like to follow Jesus. We wanna do what Jesus tells us to do and be more like him. But at the same time, we still make bad choices and mess it up. On the one side, we have the Spirit who is God living with us and in us. He's showing us what, it needs, to, what needs to be changed to be more like Jesus. On the other side, we have the flesh. This is the part of us that is sinful and selfish. It's the part of us that has been forgiven, but it still trips us up. It's a battle because we still wanna do sinful things because we are sinful people, but the Holy Spirit in us overpowers our flesh to do what God would want us to do. Both sides are pulling back and forth, and so how do we know who is winning? How do we know that we're actually growing and becoming more like Jesus? The Bible says that we can track our growth by looking at the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? When we read on in Galatians chapter five, we see in verses 19 through 21, what we would call maybe the fruit of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Then we come to verse 22, and there's a word that begins that, and it is but, which tells us that there's something different coming or something that should look different is coming. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's take a deeper look at three of these fruits. The first one being forbearance or patience. The dictionary defines forbearance as patience, self-control, restraint, and tolerance, or patience as the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Who here is patient? Can I throw out some phrases to you? The car in front of you going five miles under the speed limit. Happened to me yesterday. Standing in line at the store. Your three-year-old who can do it all by myself. Your teenager, who of course knows it all. Your crazy yet fun family. Or your computer crashing or that beach ball that just spins and spins and spins. Now how many of us really have forbearance or patience? My husband and I have an 11-year-old son named Carter, and I think there's gonna be some pictures of him on the screen here, and we think he's a pretty cute kid, and um, of course our pride and joy. And one of the routines that I have with Carter is to pray with him every night before he goes to bed. 
And uh, in this time, I usually ask him, what is something that we can say thank you for and what is something that we can pray for? And so this has led to some really fun conversations between Carter and I and great conversations on faith and life in general. And so not all that long ago, as I was putting Carter to bed, we got to the point in the night where um, I asked him, like, what is something that we can you know, say thank you for? What is something that we can pray for? And there was a short pause. And then Carter's response to me was, let's pray that you won't be grouchy. I wish I could say he was wrong, but unfortunately, he was right. There's nothing like being humbled by your own kid, and if you want to say, hashtag, parenting fail. So I would like to say that I'm a patient person, but my 11-year-old's prayer request was just otherwise. But I think we all struggle with being patient at some point or another. So what does it look like to have forbearance or patience? Patience can also mean consistency. This is learning to remain constant no matter what may be happening at the moment. Other words that can describe being patient are lenience, long-suffering, perseverance, or steadfastness. It's the ability to endure ill-treatment from life at the hands of others without lashing out or paying back. Yes, including that three-year-old or that teenager or that person standing in front of you in that line. The Bible says to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The world in which we live is not a patient world. It's fast-paced with busy schedules to keep and hurrying being a part of what we do. People are rushing to work or to the next activity or event that is on their calendar, and in the midst of it all, patience goes out the window. We live in a time-driven world. We are a culture of quick fixes, and we have no patience for the long haul. We have fast food drive through most of the time. We have instant oatmeal, instant coffee. We even have instant crock pots called instant pots. You see, these conveniences encourage impatience within us. If it doesn't happen within the time frame we want, we are frustrated or angry. However, God operates on a much longer and slower time frame than we are used to operating in the fast-paced world in which we live. God promised Abraham a son when Abraham was 75 years old. And that son, Isaac, was not born until Abraham was 100 years old. Abraham had to wait 25 years for something that God had promised him. How many of us here are willing to wait 25 years for something, for that healing, for those finances to fall into place, for that relationship to be better? Think about how old you would be in 25 years. Patience has its roots in God's character. He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Have we ever stopped and wondered what we might be missing if we are not patient? We might miss deeper relationships or connections with those around us, our families, our friends, those we work with or those we go to school with, or our neighbors. We might miss what God would wanna to say to us through reading his word or prayer. We might fail to serve those around us because we might miss what their needs would be. We might miss the opportunity to be used to share God's love with those around us because we simply don't have time. We need to be reminded that God's ways are better than our ways and that there is something in slowing down and waiting on what God would have for us. Sin makes each one of us selfish and makes us want things that will make us feel good. And when we don't get what we want when we want it, we often become impatient. And we become impatient with others when they don't do what we want, when we want them to do it, or if they simply just don't do it fast enough. When it comes to patience, ask yourself these questions. Am I easily set off when things go wrong or when people irritate me? Do I treat people as people or as interruptions? 
Am I able to keep a godly perspective in the face of life's irritations or frustrations? What if that irritation or frustration is God trying to speak to me? Am I so worried about my time and how quick I want it that I miss what God is trying to do in me and through me? Life can be and will be frustrating and difficult at times. People can be and will be difficult and frustrating at times. What does our response to all of that say about who God is in our lives? Think about how many times God has shown us his patience. I know for me, it's time and time again. God gives us his patience. If, we should, if our lives should reflect his, then are we a patient person? Being like him means we listen and respond to others, and we respond to their needs with patience. I have four words on this board here that would represent, if you wanna say, the opposite of what patience might look like in our lives. Frustration, compulsive, intolerant, and anger. Do we see ourselves in these words? Do we see these words playing out in our lives? Another privilege that I have is taking our son Carter to school every morning. You know, the 11-year-old that thinks I'm grouchy at times. And um, every, on the way to school, I pray with him, and I pray that God would keep him safe, that he would be a leader and not a follower, that he would make wise choices. And more than anything, I pray that God would help Carter to be kind. And so on the way to school one morning, I was praying with him, and um, in the middle of the prayer, there was a car that, let's just say, they weren't driving how I thought they should be driving. And so as the car moves away um, from our lane to the other one, um, I said some not so nice things about the car that was in front of me because of how they were driving. You know, because it makes it feel better when you can say it out loud, even though they can't hear you. And so ironically, the next line uh, in my prayer for Carter was, God help Carter to be kind at which point Carter and I started cracking up, and then I prayed that God would help me to be kind and to give me the grace and patience to do so. The next route we are gonna take a deeper look at is kindness. I would guess that most people here would say, I'm a kind person, I treat people nicely. Kindness is generally defined as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Also as goodwill, a kind act, a good deed, favor, active assistance, service, or help. How many of us have ever been around an unkind person or a mean person? Maybe it's an annoying coworker. I don't have any annoying coworkers. All my coworkers are great. <laughs> Maybe it's a person who is super demanding and rude. Maybe it's somebody that just pushes your buttons. Any chance that you happen to be sitting next to that person today? Maybe you shouldn't answer that. <laughs> we know what we are supposed to do with them, right? We are to kill them with kindness. Think about the last act of kindness that you showed to someone or someone showed to you. What did that look like and what did that feel like? As a result of people being more impatient and having short fuses and everyone always being in a hurry, many people have lost the ability to treat others with kindness and respect. Kindness can also be defined as a daily demonstration of love because it goes hand in hand with love. Jesus, in talking with his disciples, says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Yet this goes against what the world around us says. The culture around us says it's all about me and what's convenient for me. The Greek word for kind is krestos. Part of its meaning means useful, which makes it clear that, the biblical, that biblical kindness involves action. The Bible says to let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. A kind word, a kind action to another person can really do wonders for them. Kindness is a visible demonstration of your feeling towards others, and it's often the way that people see, perceive, and receive our love. Kindness starts with caring, 
with being tenderhearted and compassionate toward others. The Bible has a lot to say um, about kindness. We see that it says to us that an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. It tells us to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, and to be kind and compassionate to one another. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. When kindness is at work in our lives, we look for ways to adapt to meet the needs of others. It is moral goodness that overflows in the absence of malice. We find a lot of kindness in the Bible with, of course, Jesus being our best example of that. You see, Jesus practiced kindness that was radical for the time and culture in which he lived. He always had great concern for women as well as men, for children as well as as adults, and for other races as well as the Jewish race, and for the sick and weak as well as the strong. Often he wore himself out praying for people, healing people, feeding people, and helping them in other ways. The Bible says that when Jesus looked on the multitudes of people with all their problems, sicknesses, and confusion, that he was moved with compassion. As we look around the people in our lives, are we moved with compassion? We too should be helping, giving, sharing, caring, encouraging, extending mercy, filled with compassion, and acting on it as we are able. In a word, kind. The popular saying says, people don't care what you know until they know you care. Do the people in our lives know that we care? I came across a quote preparing all of this where it says, we don't always know whose lives we touched and made better for our having cared because actions sometimes have unforeseen ramifications. What's important is that you do care and you act. How can we show people we care? Maybe it's running an errand for your spouse. Maybe it's helping that coworker at work with a project with no benefit to us. Maybe it's sitting next to that kid who always sits by themselves at the lunch table. Maybe it's simply listening to somebody, being fully engaged in the needs of those around us. Paul writes to us in the book of Romans and says that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness through us can lead others to him. What are ways that we can put aside what we want for the sake of someone else? What are ways that we can show kindness, even if it's the last person we want to show it to? I have four more words that represent what the opposite of kindness might look like in our lives. And those are selfish, callous, mean, and hate. Do we see ourselves in these words? Are these words playing out in our lives? There's something really powerful that I came across in preparing for this weekend, and I want you to listen closely to what I'm about to read, please. It says, kindness has the ability to soften hearts. Your kindness shown to someone can change their eternity when it is accompanied by goodness. You see, kindness by itself is insufficient. It's especially important for kindness to be accompanied by goodness. That's because kindness without goodness can become tolerant of sin, just as goodness without kindness can be harsh and legalistic. We show the fruit of the Spirit only as we develop these qualities together. Let me say two of those lines in that paragraph again. Your kindness shown to someone can change their eternity when it's accompanied by goodness. That's because kindness without goodness can become tolerant of sin, just as goodness without kindness can be harsh and legalistic. The next fruit that we're gonna take a deeper look at is goodness. While kindness is a soft side of good, goodness reflects the character of God. Goodness is the intentional choosing and doing the right thing. It's not the act of not sinning. It's standing for goodness, and standing for goodness is, is understanding that our human nature is to fall short, but yet we choose to take the high road. Proverbs in the Bible says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. 
Being a good person means you do what is right, even when no one is looking. Goodness is righteousness in action. It boldly does what is right, encourages others to do good as well. Michael Bradley, a Christian writer, writes, the Bible says that it is the goodness of God that will lead sinners to repentance and salvation. The quality of goodness is another real powerful quality to have operating through you. This particular quality has a real drawing power to it. Not only does the goodness of God draw people directly to him, but this fruit of goodness, operating a believer, can also draw people to God. Simply put, when we operate with goodness, we can draw people to Jesus. Jesus says that you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There's something extra, extra special about this quality of goodness. We can effectively witness to others by just living right and being a good example and role models for others to follow. Many non-believers carefully watch and study believers because they know there's something really different about them. See, this quality of goodness is one of the key qualities that a non-believer will pick up in a believer. It's a quality that has an ability to get down really deep in the core of a believer's being, and we can tell that it's something operating deep down inside of them. This quality is not something that wavers like some of the other qualities do. These people are good down to the very core of their personalities, and we can see it and feel it when we get around these types of people. As a result of seeing this God-like goodness deeply ingrained into who they are, there's an immediate drawing towards them. We feel safe being around them, and we know that we can trust them and that they would never deliberately hurt us. This is why this particular freedom and quality of goodness is so important for each of us to have, because with it, we can easily draw more people to relationship with Jesus. If the goodness of God will lead people to repentance and salvation with him, then the goodness of God operating through us will also have the ability to draw non-believers to salvation. Ask yourself these questions when it comes to goodness in your life. Am I becoming warmer and kinder? When I know what is right, do I follow through and do it? You see, it's one thing to know what's good and talk about what's good. It's another to put it into effect. What do people see when they are watching me? Do they see goodness in me? Kindness and goodness together present the picture of one who not only possesses moral goodness and integrity, but also generously expresses it in the way they act towards others. This goodness in action reflects God's kindness and goodness towards us. I have four more words over here that would represent the opposite of what goodness might look like in our lives. They are harshness, bad, deceit, and lack of integrity. Do we see ourselves in these words? Are these words a part of our everyday life? So we've looked at three fruit, patience, kindness, and goodness and how we're supposed to live that out. And yet you might say to me, Heather, you don't live in my house, or you don't work where I do. You don't know my story and all that I've gone through, or simply, you don't know my kids. How in the world am I supposed to live this all out? Let's go back to Galatians 5, verse 22, where it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says the fruit of the Spirit, not of Heather, not of Bob, not of Mary or Joe or Jonathan. The only way that we can live this all out is to be connected to God and the Holy Spirit will help us be more patient, more kind, and filled with goodness. The battle between what we want and what God wants is real and the struggle is real. 
Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Jesus is saying that a branch needs to stay connected to the vine in order for fruit to grow. Good fruit will naturally come out of a branch that is connected to the vine. The branch doesn't need to try and create fruit in its own power. Its job is simply to stay connected to the vine. And when it does, good fruit will be produced. Jesus is saying that we are like the branch. Our goal is to stay connected to him, and if we stay close to him in our everyday lives, then the good fruit will come out of us. Like a branch can't make the fruit, we can't simply choose to be loving or patient or kind or good. It's the Holy Spirit's job to create those characteristics in our lives. Our job is to stay connected to Jesus. When we do, we find ourselves more naturally reacting to that difficult coworker with patience and kindness. We are more likely to be okay waiting in line at the store and maybe even giving a smile to the cashier. We are more likely to be kind and patient and good to our family. All of a sudden, that three-year-old and that teenager are a little bit easier to be around. When we stay connected to Jesus, the fruit that we bear comes naturally as a result of what he is doing in us and through us. We are going to make mistakes and mess up because we are human, but maybe a little bit less. Remember that a tree is recognized by its fruit. Jesus says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. We cannot live without God and produce good fruit. We cannot be the good person that God desires on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, and only then will we produce the kind of fruit that is the fruit of the Spirit. It's God's work in us, nothing that we can do on our own. So how are we staying connected to Jesus? How are we connected to the vine? How are we allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us? How am I allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me? And how are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you? Are we reading the Bible? Are we praying? Are we coming to church and being connected to a faith community? You see, as we grow and understand more, we are changed, and we see that difference in the fruit we produce. If we are in Christ, we will produce fruit that looks like him. And it's a process. As the Holy Spirit works in us, our lives look different. And these are not just personality traits that we possess. This is who we are. This is our character. And it's because we are connected to Jesus and living a life allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. Cultivating a life in the Spirit is a slow and difficult work, but it's a very important journey. Philip Kennison, a Bible professor, says that we need to remember that at the heart of the Christian story is a God who is patient, a God who works slowly and diligently over many generations to create a people who will, by their very life together, bear witness to that God. He also reminds us that as people empowered by God's spirit, we are called to reach out in kindness to our neighbors, to those who are easy to love and to those who are not, as a channel for God's grace and his presence. We are to be connected to the God who alone is good. Our ability to reflect God's goodness comes only from him and is designed to draw people to him. Sin weakens our capacity to be good, but it can be renewed by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Take a look at your life, your day-to-day routine. What does that look like? How do you act? What are your attitudes? How do you treat others? What are your thoughts? Who is winning in your life, your flesh or the spirit? Our fruit has the ability to touch people's lives for eternity, to make a difference in the life of our family member, our friend, 
a coworker, or yes, to the cashier at the store, because we can be Jesus to them. As we stay connected to Jesus, the Holy Spirit works in us and through us to make us more like Jesus every day, and those fruits come directly from him. So we go back to these four words that maybe you see in your life and operating in your life. And yes, on our own, we can't change this. But as we stay connected to the vine and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, all of a sudden then, we have the fruit of patience. Once again, maybe these words, selfish, callous, mean, hate, are part of how you function every day. We can't change it on our own, but as we stay connected to the vine and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, then all of a sudden, we operate with kindness. Harshness, bad, deceit, lack of integrity. We can't change those on our own, but as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us and we stay connected to Jesus, then we see goodness become a part of what we do and who we are. As the Holy Spirit works in us and through us, our works, excuse me, our words, thoughts, and actions are replaced with those that are more like Jesus. The fruit in our lives will look different and hopefully those around us will see that difference and be drawn to Jesus. My prayer is that we take the next steps to be connected to Jesus and let the fruit of our lives reflect that. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the perfect example of being patient and kind and good. Jesus, you know exactly where each one of us are in these rooms this morning. God, you know what we walked in with today. And I pray even in the midst of all that's going on in life, Jesus, that you'd help us to stay connected to you. Help us to be people that show your patience and kindness and goodness to those in our lives. And God, give us the strength and ability to do that in the way that only you can. God, I thank you that we don't walk this life alone, but that you're there to be with us. And I pray the power of the Holy Spirit would work in us and through us so those in our lives would see your patience and your kindness and goodness flowing in us and through us so that they may be drawn to you. And God, we thank you for all of this. And it's in your name I pray, amen.